Hey everybody, it's your buddy Paul. Just giving you a little heads up that the audio in this episode is not that great at some points, particularly in the animal facts part of the show. Uh, we got it straightened out. Matthew, who gives me technical support and who is also my son, found out that I had a cable plugged into the wrong spot. So I am not an animal expert and I am not a sound expert either. <laughs> anyway, uh, yeah, it's not that great to listen to, but I hope you can push through it and endure and it's a really good episode otherwise and you're going to really love the Rugrat at the end. So thanks for listening. You are listening to a Blazing Caribou Studios production. Support and subscribe to our Patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios. Hello, and welcome back to the Varmints Podcast, where every week we do a whole bunch of research to educate ourselves and you, the listener, on all things that creep, crawl, slither, fly, jump, hop, and swim on this planet, one animal at a time. My name's Paul. I'm not an animal expert. I'm Donna, and I am also not an animal expert. And today we are going to talk about the toad. Toads. Toads. But first, the news. This is Varman's Headline News with your anchorman, some guy named Paul. Thank you, Matthew. Hey, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably looking for some ways to be nice to animals. So if you are living in the UK, as we know some of you are, here's a real way that you can help out some toads. It's estimated that about 20 tons of toads are squished on the UK's roads every year. So to cut down on the number of deaths, toad crossings are mapped on Google Earth. Local councils will sometimes close the roads. And then there is the Gloucester, which is an acronym for... I don't know how to say the name of this place. It's Gloucestershire? Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire, really. Gloucestershire. Gloucestershire, yeah. The Gloucestershire Toads on Roads. They are a network of volunteers that organize toad patrols across the country. Toad Patrol! Sorry. <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> Sounds so cool. <laughs> I'm on the Toad Patrol. Are you? Well done. Last year, over 100 volunteers <laughs> patrolled the roads and saved about 6,500 toads from being roadkill. Toad patrolling happens in the dark at the side of the road. Patrollers pick up not only toads, but frogs and newts. They place them safely in a bucket. And then at the end of the patrol, they are released as near to their pond as possible. 
Volunteers are asked to supply their own high-vis jackets, hats and gloves, bucket, torch, and flask of tea. I think by torch they mean flashlight, right? Yes. Is that the British word for flashlight? Yep. Okay. I thought they had those over there. I didn't think they were still using, like, torches. Well, I think it's a practicality thing. You know how the language does every once in a while. It's like, we don't need a new word for that. We already have a word for a light that you hold in front of you. <laughs> yes, but it's not a... Yeah, it doesn't matter. We have that already. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, go pick up some toads on the road. Get him to the other side of the road so yeah. you don't, it's not like a real-life gamer frogger. If I lived there, I would want to be on the Toad Patrol. I admit it. I would apply. <laughs> and I would be upset if I didn't get in. <laughs> hey, just a reminder, go to BlazingCaribouStudios.com for links to our audio and our show notes for today's episode. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at at Podcast, all one word. And at varminspodcast at gmail.com for questions, comments, stories, and suggestions. If you like our show, why not tell a friend about us and introduce them to the podcast? We are everywhere that podcasts are found, and word of mouth is the very best way to help us grow. So do it! Yeah. Let's learn about some toads. <laughs> Let's go get educated on some animals. I know you wanna. <laughs> we are getting educated about some toads today. Toad is a common name for certain frogs, especially of the family Buffonidae. All toads are frogs, but not all frogs are toads. And we did do an episode on frogs a while back, so when you're done listening to this episode, you can go revisit that one. It's pretty good. I love the Froggies episode. I do, too. I thought it was great. It was, it was a lot of fun. Here's some main differences between toads and frogs. The main, one of the biggest differences is their legs. Frogs have very, very long muscular legs, and they prefer to jump whereas toads have much shorter legs and prefer to walk or just use small hops. Also, toad bodies tend to be a little bit stouter and a little less colorful than frogs. Usually they're shades of brown and not too terribly colorful. Toads also prefer to live on land, whereas a frog will spend much of its time in the water. And that's a big difference, too. Right. Male toads and female toads are just called toads, and a baby toad is called, like a frog, a tadpole. Right. Nobody really knows where the word toad came from. The Middle English versions of the word are pronounced tod or tood. And those words came from Old English, toddig or toddy. And that's about as far back as anyone can trace that word. And it just means toad. Hmm. Yep. That's really interesting. You know, I think there are a few toads that have bright colors, but it's not many. I was just it's looking it up and... Because I thought I saw an article about really bright, you know, bright, bright, colorful toads. Like, there are frogs, and now I can't find it. But I think there are a couple. Just a couple that are that There's way. probably some outliers. Yeah, yeah. But There's probably some frogs that prefer to hop instead of jump, too. Yeah, probably. I just yeah. was trying to remember where I saw the article. And I have failed to do so! <laughs> <laughs> a cursory Google search has not prompted my memory. <laughs> too bad. Okay, so I'm going to talk about the adaptation of the species, the tiny pebble toad. They are 
their name is fun. It's Oreo Frenella Nigra. <laughs> <laughs> Oreo like the cookie? Yeah, Oreo. Oh, how cute. Frenella <laughs> Nigra or Pebble, pebble Toad. <laughs> it's a it's in the family Bufonidae, so it's a toad, and it is endemic to the Guiana Highlands, Bolivar State, Venezuela, the Kekukan Tapui and the Yurwani Tapui, oh, both belonging to the Eastern Tapuis, <laughs> which is awesome. I love that. They are a teeny little species of toad. The males measure 16.5 to 23.5 millimeters, and that's like, you know, that's a little over half an inch to about an inch long. And yeah. the females are a tiny bit bigger. They have this really cool thing they've developed that when they're threatened, they fold its limbs under its body and tucks, tuck their head in, and they tense their all their muscles into a little ball shape. <laughs> oh, wow. And it just rolls away from danger. <laughs> oh, that's like a video game thing. That's awesome. It's so cool. So it's called the pebble toad because it looks like a, just a dislodged pebble bouncing down the hill. And it's black and dark gray, and it's just really interesting. So I found a video of David Attenborough talking about him. These rocks may seem a paradise for a toad. It's even wetter than the forest below, and there are no snakes. But there is a hunter here. So neat. So Donna, you've heard that handling toads will give you warts. I have heard that. I don't think yep. it's correct. But is it? Yeah. No, it's false. Yay. So toads do have very bumpy, warty-looking skin on their heads, shoulders, and backs, but those are not warts. Mm -hmm. uh, incidentally, warts in humans are caused by human papillomavirus. And there are several types of human papillomaviruses that are contracted in various ways, but none of those ways are from handling toads. Mm, good to know. Good to know. The raised areas on the toad's skin, however, are even worse than warts. They are called the parotid glands. And the parotid glands secrete poison. Oh. So now I always like to remind people of the difference between poisonous and venomous. So here goes again. If it bites you and you die, it was venomous. But if you bite it and you die, it was poisonous. Right. So when they are being attacked or under threat, toads can secrete a substance from those bumps that makes them poisonous to predators. And that is why you really shouldn't handle a toad without some sort of protection from your for your hands. Right. Because you never know. You never know. Yeah. That poison, de depending on the toad, can cause skin irritation. If your hands aren't washed thoroughly and a bit of that poison makes its way to your mouth or nose, that can be a really bad time and can get you pretty sick. And I'll talk a little more about how nasty that poison is in the animal facts portion of the show. Another reason that you don't want to pick up toads and handle them is that they will pee on you as a method of defense. Oh, yuck. <laughs> yeah, and I don't know if you've ever picked up a toad and held it and been peed on, but it's not just a little tiny bit of pee. It's like a rest stop after a six-hour road trip and a thermos of coffee pee. That is such an odd question. Have you ever picked up a toad and been peed on? Why? <laughs> Why no, I have not. <laughs> Should I have by this point in my life? <laughs> are there toads in, in Colorado? There are a few. I have a list in front of me. 
And All right. it looks like we have one, two, three, four, five. You know, looks like we've got a dozen or so, from what I can tell. And you never picked one up when you were a little kid and gotten peed on? No. Oh, you cannot imagine how much pee comes out of a little tiny toad. I remember we had little frogs. We did have some little river frogs when I was really small because we lived right next to some sort of body of water. We didn't pick them up, so maybe my sister did. She was sort of more that kind of child, so... <laughs> I wasn't. I would like. I was like, "Ew, that's a not a puppy. I'm not touching it." <laughs> I had to be ask convinced. your sister if she ever got peed on. I should. I'll do that. You should. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Disclaimer time. The Farmers Podcast knows it's not fair to compare animal intelligence to human intelligence, but then Don and Paul only have the yardstick of themselves, so. They're going to do it anyway. So, intelligence on a scale of 1 to 10. I got lazy this week, and I just gave toads whatever I gave frogs, which I think <laughs> was a 3. My notes at home just say, eh. <laughs> I don't actually care for whatever reason. I think I made a search, a general, like, intelligence of toads and didn't find too much. So I'm like, yeah, whatever. I, I don't know. Yeah. They're toads. How smart could they be? It doesn't matter. <laughs> I think we determined that frogs pretty much are just, like, so many things eat them that they just hop around and swim and make little frogs. And I think that's pretty much what toads do as they're, well. Like they, they're bird buffet items, you know? <laughs> they don't need to be smart. There just needs to be a lot of them. <laughs> so oh, man. The bird buffet, you've got the big pile of prairie dogs, and the big. although they're really <laughs> smart, so that doesn't kind of count. Oh, I'm reversing my own notion. Don't do that. <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're that bright, so. No. Nope. I didn't find anything like that, so. I didn't. I couldn't really find much of anything either, so I just kind of defaulted to whatever I gave frogs. <laughs> I agree. All right, <laughs> that's a great idea. Enough. Whatever we said. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are going to talk about toads in pop culture and a couple other things, but we are going to do that right after this. Hey, gang! Guess what? We got merch. Ding, 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 ding. It's pretty great. We are at Tea Public now. We have t-shirts. We have coffee mugs. We have throw pillows. Throw pillows. Tapestries. <laughs> wall art. Wall art. We have Notebooks. onesies for your baby. Yeah. It's amazing. You can get all the things. All the things with our Varmints logo on it at tpublic.com slash stores slash varmints. We will also put a link in the show notes, so if you want some varmint swag, we finally have a place for you to go get it. We have seen some people with some varmints swag posting pictures in the discussion group, and I can tell you they look pretty happy. So if I were you, I would go check it out. <laughs> they look happy, and I, 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 I messaged them. I, I, I asked them privately if the quality was good, and they said the quality was really, really good. Oh, good. Which makes me really happy. So That's they're they're happy with know. the items, and we hope you are too. Wonderful. We're really happy about it. It's fun. It is a lot of fun. So once again, tpublic.com slash stores slash varmints. And uh, thanks in advance for buying something. Yeah. We appreciate it. Yes. Well, this here's 
animal rancher and expert at large, Cotton Shorts. You know Paul and Don are just a couple of nerds like you, and they don't usually get to see animals in the wild, but so we'll talk about where they usually do get to see them, which is to say on popular culture, books, movies, television, and video games. Alright, this week I am talking about the Battletoads video game and cartoon. So you're going to be hearing the in-game music and sound effects in the background as I talk about the video game. Uh, because there's not a whole lot of dialogue, it's just music and little bleep bloop things. Okay. So, Battletoads is a video game franchise by Rare that began with the original beat-em-up game Battletoads in 1991 for the Nintendo Entertainment System. So it stars three anthropomorphic toads named after skin conditions. <laughs> Rash, Zitz, and Pimple. This series was created to rival the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles games, which we talked about in our Turtles episode. The video game series as a whole has become a cult classic, and at its peak of popularity, it actually spawned an animated television pilot, which I'm going to talk about in a minute here. And you heard the theme song for the pilot at the beginning of the episode. The initial Battletoads game for the NES was renowned for its difficulty, but it also received a cult following and it spawned sequels for Nintendo Game Boy, a stand-up arcade game, and the Sega Master System. And one of these sequels was a crossover with the Double Dragon series. And each of the games is pretty much the same. The objective is to beat the Toad's nemesis, the Dark Queen, and her army of space mutants. So it's one of those 2D side-scrollers where you, you beat up all the little minions, and then you get to the boss, and then you get to the final boss kind of thing. Okay. Why don't I remember this? <laughs> I should remember this, but I don't. I'm like, what? No, where'd this come from? <laughs> well, it's because they tried to they tried to piggyback on Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, and it really didn't it really didn't take off. Hmm. Yeah, and this half hour animated television series, I mean, again, it was trying to capitalize on the popularity of that, and it the pilot aired in syndication on Thanksgiving weekend of 1992, and the story was meant to be a prequel to the video game franchise. So it was set in Oxnard, California. These three junior high schoolers are given the ability to transform into the Battletoads, and they are charged with prote <laughs> protecting Professor T-Bird and Princess Angelica from the Dark Queen, who wants to steal Angelica's magical amulet for her plans of universal conquest. Of course they do. <laughs> <laughs> Guess how many episodes were made of that show? I have no idea. One. The pilot was the only <gasps> episode ever made. Really? Oh my gosh, yeah. how funny. Nobody wanted it. Nobody oh wanted gosh, it. Oh my gosh, that's so hilarious. It's the animated cartoon version of Abandonware at this point, and you can watch the whole thing on YouTube in multiple places. Mm-hmm. <laughs> God. Yeah. Oh, I was looking at the... It is 8-bit, isn't it? Wow. Oh yeah. Check that out. <laughs> He's got a little stick or something. What? <laughs> <laughs> ah, how cool. It's ridiculous. <laughs> was it fun to play? It was fun to play. It was very, very difficult. Mm. But it was a lot of fun. And in 2012, Forbes listed the Battletoads video game as one of the five franchises that deserve a revival. People want a reboot of this thing so badly. Huh. Okay. On the other hand, the animated version of Battletoads is regarded as one of the worst one-shot TV cartoons ever made in the history of ever TV. That's awesome. 
Ah, how hilarious. Okay, well, my contribution this week, we're going to go back into the disc world, into the world of Terry Pratchett, to talk about a little character called Toad. He just called Toad. That's just his name. <laughs> he is a toad. <laughs> he appears in a book called The Wee Free Men. And he typically is in a witch called Miss Tick's hat. He, like, hangs out there. Okay. Yeah. So, basically, I'm going to read from you, read to you from the description on the Discworld wiki so that I get it exactly right. Cool. <laughs> okay, so they say... Toad has, if not cold-blooded, a cool view of the world as the companion of a witch. He is not familiar, he says, just slightly presumptuous. <laughs> <laughs> when Miss Tick goes away to get help, she tells him to stay so that the main character, Tiffany Aching, is not left alone. He's quite well informed on magical subjects, probably because he is a magical creature. He knows that he was turned into a toad, but left thinking he was human and doesn't know why. <laughs> <laughs> Never trust a woman with a star on her wand. <laughs> Sometimes at night he is troubled by the thought that he might have been a toad who got on her nerves. <laughs> <laughs> he travels with Tiffany Aching on her rescue mission into Fairyland in the pocket of her apron. Um, that's where he travels. That's not where the mission is. <laughs> A source of objective, if barely helpful advice. He says stuff like, I'm stuck in a wood of evil dreams, and I'm all alone, and I think it's getting darker. And Tiffany says, what should I do? And he opens his bleary eye and says, leave. <laughs> <laughs> in a line with general, his general theme of awakening from dreams, the act of saving the Fiegels from one enemy that they are really afraid of, the toad remembers how he became transformed. The queen of fairyland has summoned up lawyers who know about writing down names, the most terrifying kind of magic. <laughs> <laughs> the toad counters these with latation phrases, and uh, which I suppose is Latin. It's like, that's the Discworld's Latin, right? It's instead of Latinate, it's latation. Okay. So, yeah, he counters it with all those Latin phrases, latation, and it comes back to him, too, that he was once a lawyer. <laughs> 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 and a fiegel asks him, how come you're a lawyer and a toad? <laughs> and he recounts that he made legal history by suing a fairy godmother on behalf of a client who felt one of her three wishes had not really been fulfilled. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. The fairy godmother made legal history by turning the client into a small hand mirror and him an amphibian. <laughs> <laughs> In the Feagles, the little tribe of little guys, he has found a vocation and he stays with them. We learn from the official court transcript helpfully provided by the author in the illustrated We Free Men that the fairy godmother was Fairy Nettle and that the future hand mirror was Princess Sandy of the Kingdom of Fallen Rock. The lawyer who appeared for Princess Sandy was Mr. James Natter, commonly known perhaps as Natter Jack, which is funny because that's the toad I'm going to talk about today in our facts, the Natter Jack. <laughs> <laughs> The transcript mentions that Mr. Natter had become a toad, but does not say anything about Princess Sandy. If she was indeed turned into a hand mirror, how does this square with the fact that she was due to be a fairy tale princess? All foretold, my lord. <laughs> the fact that negotiations <laughs> broke down in this rather dramatic fashion may perhaps be attributed to the inexperience of the part of the judge, 
who was presiding for the first time in the magical narrative division. <laughs> oh, wow. So, yeah, he's a little... He is a character. <laughs> Gosh, this Terry Pratchett stuff, if I had the time, this is a rabbit hole that I want to go down. So Color of magic. Just get I, started. <laughs> I have to. I have to. All right. Uh, gosh, I can't even imagine, but here we go. Uh, so, hey, are you going to eat that? I... No. No, I... <laughs> I couldn't even find any evidence that people in other parts of the world are eating toads. Hmm. If they have tiny stubby legs, there's probably not enough on them to eat, I would imagine. No, it's not like frog legs where mm -hmm. there's a lot of muscle there and there's something to eat and it's delicious. I, I, just, I can't even... No. Yeah. Oh, no. It hopped out of the food box. <laughs> it was like, boing. <laughs> I'm out of here. <laughs> I am not tasty, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> but some people still have to test it out, don't they? You've heard about people running around licking toads? <laughs> oh boy, yeah, let's talk about this. <laughs> well, hello, Paula Donna. Hello. I have a meaning to ask you. Hello. Is your brain a repository of useless information like mine is? Yep. Well, let's help you win that next trivia night. Or just sound smarter than the rest of the room. With the animal fact of the week. Back to you, amigos. Well, thank you, partner. Oh, boy. Hey, Donna, back in the 1930s in Queensland, Australia, there were some sugarcane farmers, and they were worried. They were nervous, and they were desperate because beetles were devouring their sugarcane fields, and the farmers were, to their credit, they were hesitant to spray pesticides all over their crops, but and they decided that a more natural approach would be better. Oh, so let me guess. Did they import an invasive species? I'm not even looking at the article, but I'm just guessing based on... Yeah, they started to hear <laughs> tales of a toad that loved nothing more than to dine on cane beetles. Oh, no. Yeah, a few hundred of these toads could eat up all the beetles so that the farmers could get back to farming. And so... In Puerto Rico, these toads were introduced already, and they stopped the economic damage to the sugarcane industry that was caused by the beetles, and it actually worked. And the reason it worked in Puerto Rico instead of Australia was because in Puerto Rico, these cane toads actually have predators. So right. snakes and caimans and various species of fish and birds can prey on the cane toad and the tadpoles, and that keeps the population in check. Okay, so they're so, not... In, they're not endemic to Puerto Rico were they introduced there too? Correct. Okay, and but there's stuff that will still eat them, so... Yep, and so it worked. It worked perfectly in Puerto Rico. Right. So why wouldn't it work in Australia? Hmm. So they packed two suitcases filled with toads and they sent them to Australia. <laughs> About <laughs> 200 toads. <laughs> yeah. Do you have anything to, to declare? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just this suitcase full of toads. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> I think we sometimes forget how different our world is now. Oh, man. Yeah. <laughs> stuff like that makes me completely uh, just wonder what in the heck we were thinking sometimes. 
uh, they weren't thinking scientifically. They were thinking money. Right. And so they let these toads, these two suitcases full of toads, go in Australia, mm-hmm. where there are no predators. <laughs> so. Yay! So 200 toads became nearly 2 billion toads in a <gasps> 1 million square kilometer part of Northeast Australia today. Oh my gosh. The toads did not eat the cane beetles at all. Oh no! The native animals that do eat the toads die from the poison they secrete, and this includes crocodiles. A cane toad can kill <gasps> a crocodile. Oh my gosh. Yeah. The cane toads spread at a rate of about six miles a year from the 1940s onward, and now they are taking over at a rate of about 30 miles a year, or 48 kilometers a year. Their range is just spreading, 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 because <laughs> there's nothing to stop them from breeding. There goes the neighborhood. <laughs> yeah. And get this, a 2006 study found that these toads are actually evolving longer legs to help them spread across Australia. Oh, nice. Eradicating the cane toad in Australia is considered impossible at this point. They are not protected by Australian wildlife regulations, so homeowners are free to kill the toads humanely if they have to, which is important because if you're a dog or a cat owner in a place that has cane toads, and there are many places now, they're here in Florida as well, you have to be vigilant because cane toad poison will kill your pet. Cane toads secrete bufotoxin, which contains a hallucinogen and a vasoconstrictor. Oh dear, that's not yeah, good. it's it's bad. Yeah. It also severely affects the liver, lungs, and kidneys. And if your cat bites or eats a cane toad, you need to get it to a twenty-four hour twenty-four hour veterinarian, or it will die. Oh my gosh! And even with immediate treatment, you still might lose your pet. It's a really serious thing. So, if you live in an area where there are cane toads, Please go visit the show notes because there will be a link there to a pet MD article that will go into more detail about what symptoms to look for and what to do if your pet gets a hold of a cane toad. They are definitely here in Florida. I didn't get to look at the range in the United States where they're at, but they've definitely spread across uh, more tropical parts of the of the globe. Wherever wherever sugarcane grows, people would import these toads to see if it would work and. Nice. Except for Puerto Rico, it did not work. And this has become literally a case study in invasive species and why you do not just plop an animal or a plant in a place where it doesn't belong. Just and that's really why, nilly. like you said, yeah. at, custo- at customs, when you when you go from one country to another and you get to customs, they ask you if you're bringing back anything alive or any kind of weird food or plant or anything like that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Clearly, they didn't do that in the past, but... <laughs> no, not in the 1930s. It sounds like it a Monty just... Python skit, you know? <laughs> it oh, does. I shouldn't laugh because it's really a mess over there. Yeah, it is. <laughs> nice one, humans. <laughs> uh, well, let's go ahead and and talk about the Natterjack Toad a little Please. bit. The Natterjack. So... A lot of people don't think Ireland has any toads, and it that is not true. They have one. <laughs> and a lot of people thought that they were dropped off at some point by some sort of shipwreck or something and colonized the little island that they live on at that time, but that has since to be shown to not be the case. It was kind of interesting. They have... I have a, an article I'll put in the show notes 
called Irish Frogs or Ancient History. And so <laughs> and it goes into how there were caves that held the bones of Ice Age mammals, such as mammal, uh, mammoths and lemmings, but no one was expecting the frogs to be that old. But they, in their digs that they're doing over there, they might, however, been hopping around with the Ice Age survivors, such as the bear and the wolf, and they think they might have crossed a land bridge from England to join them about 10,000 years ago. So they are a native species. So they've, they've been there forever. So that was interesting. There was a lot of people going, but we don't have any toads. There are no toads native to Ireland. And sort of there's all this science coming in, <laughs> just showing that people can be really stubborn about stuff that doesn't make any sense for us to be stubborn <laughs> about. You know, No, it's not true. We don't have any toads. Yeah, we do. <laughs> but we do. We have this one. <laughs> yeah. Um, since early monks such as Donatus and Geraldus vowed that Ireland had no frog snakes or toads, there's been an almost cultural conspiracy to deny the frog its ancient birthright. <laughs> To quote a paper in the latest research bulletin of the Irish Biogeographical Society, quote, It seems to have been almost unanimously accepted that the common frog was introduced despite the lack of any scientific backing and the weight of biogeographic and paleontological evidence in favor of natural colonization. So they're basically saying, they're just, they're basically saying, um, it happened this other way, and we know it did when they have no evidence. <laughs> so, so, and they've been doing that for hundreds of years. So, oh brother, yeah. So, but now it looks like they're gonna ha be able to prove that they were there ten thousand years ago, and all the articles all about that. And I encourage you to go and read it; it's really interesting. So, the natterjack is um, an easily recognized species that has a yellow stripe right down the center of its olive green warty back. And they can, the warts can be yellow, red, or orange in color. And you can see on the guy that, that it's a really kind of perfect shot of the, of a toad in general. Because it's got those legs all squished up. Their little shorty legs all squished up behind them. And uh, they have much shorter hind legs than even other toads. So Oh, wow. Yeah. So they do little tiny hops. Yeah. The males and females are about the same size, and they grow to about seven centimeters, which is about two and a half inches. So they're little guys. Oh. Yeah. In Cro-Maine, the natterjacks are to be found at, I cannot pronounce this, but it's Loch, I think it's Gynamine, I don't know how to pronounce it, G-A-I-N-E-A-M-H-A -A -A with an apostrophe I-N. <laughs> sure. Connecticut, yeah. <laughs> Doorknob, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and dukes, and they prefer habitats with loose sandy soil, such as sand dunes and lowland bogs, and they're sometimes found in brackish water. They dig burrows in the soft sand, and they tend to live in groups. They are pretty much nocturnal, and they like to rest under large stones or in crevices and burrows during the day. They can't leap very far, but... Usually, if they do, it's because they just have a startle response <laughs> to jump away. <laughs> ah, it might be something that's going to eat me. Jump. And um, they are not great swimmers. So that's another reason to think, <laughs> these guys really don't swim very well. I'm not sure. Not with those little tiny legs. Yeah, no. So it's another sort of like, this thing would have to walk here or be delivered by boat. It wasn't swimming, you know. Right. But now they think they just walked there, so. 
Yeah, so it's <laughs> pretty. Walk there. Yeah, they walked. They walked all the way across from the land bridge from England. So they're sort of interesting. They emerge from hibernation in March, and they head off to their breeding sites. And like common toads, they adopt a defense posture when they're threatened, raising themselves up and inflating their lungs so that they look bigger. They eat insects, moths, spiders, wood lice, snails, and worms. And the tadpoles feed on algae and vegetation till they're about 38 days old, and then they begin to sort of run around and feed on animal tissue like the other ones. The okay. male toads go at the bre- to the breeding sites first, and they're usually pretty shallow water that's pretty brackish most of the time. Brackish is water that's par- part salt, part fresh. So that our audience can remember that. I'm sure we've talked about it before. Yeah. The females spawn a big string of eggs, like three or 4,000, which all hatch in five to eight days. The Natterjatch tadpoles are the tiniest of all European tadpoles. So, and depending on the environmental temperature, metamorphosis can take between five and 16 weeks. So five and 16 weeks, that's a pretty variable time, you know? If the temperature is. is different, it'll... It'll make it do different things. So, But they, they spawn between April and July, and the nighttime croaking of the male can be heard at huge distances. So, A feature of the natterjack toad that is common to only a few other species of toad around the world is the fact that it can be quite poisonous to would-be predators. And we just talked about the cane toad, but... They're, they're not all deadly poisonous all the time. You know what I mean? Like Right. Yeah, yeah there's, there's varying degrees of poison right, on these toads. Right. And this is one of the ones that uh, their coat is poisonous. Whereas the cane toads, in uh, they spit their poison from their back into the faces of the attackers or into pet food left unattended. But this, these guys just have it on their... They just have it on their skin. So they're wearing it. It's like makeup. <laughs> But there are birds, noticeably the seagull and the crow, that they've both learned the dangers of their skin, and they they just flip them over and they only eat their insides. So what? Yeah, that is amazing. <laughs> Pretty cool, oh my huh? goodness, nature is amazing. Nature is amazing and very weird. <laughs> <laughs> I can see it, a, a, a crow. A, I can see a crow finding one and being like, oh, that's a natterjack. Yeah, we're not going to bother with this side. Flip. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, no. Yeah. I'm looking at a picture of it, and it looks like just a regular toad from Central Casting. Like, when you think of toad, Mm -hmm. it's just the little little warty skin and the the very unamused look on its face. Toads have that look on their face like... Eh, whatever. Being <laughs> yeah. a toad. It's, it's not it's all a, it's cracked up to be. <laughs> it's a really toady looking toad, you know? It's a toady looking toad. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks everybody for listening to the Varmints Podcast. Once again, we are brought to you with technical su- technical support by Matthew Chomo, bed music by Kevin McLeod, with vocal talent by Carrie McGinnis, Chris Brayton, Josh Hallmark, Curtis Craddock, and Chris the Toaf Green. And by you, the Patreon supporter, thank you so much for kicking in a dollar or two every month to Blazing Caribou Studios. We really, really do appreciate it. Yes. Hey, it's time for the Rugrat Corner. If you have a Rugrat that's eight years of age or younger that wants to be on the podcast, send us a message on Facebook or email us at varmintspodcast at gmail.com for details. We make it super easy for your Rugrat to hear their voice on the podcast. This week, Seanix, who is less than two years old... He has something to say about toads. Okay. 
Hey, Shonics. What do you think about toads? What do you think about toads? Oh, yeah? And then what? Oh, yeah? Do you like toads? <laughs> you do? Um, <laughs> They're yummy? What? <laughs> yeah? Guess what? You're, you're going to be on the varmint show. Is that exciting? <laughs> Is there anything else you have to say about toads? You heard it first. I could not have said it better myself. That was an extremely salient point. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, thank you so much, Shonix. And thank you to his mother, Victoria, the dog guru, who has a podcast here on the Blazing Caribou studios network of wonderful podcasts so go check that out and thank you so much (laughs) thanks guys thanks again for listening and until next time hey be nice to animals don't lick a toad no you've been listening to a blazing caribou studios production support and subscribe to our patreon at patreon.com slash blazing caribou studios